Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by the one, the only, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Week 7, Wes, the Washington football team is coming to Lambeau Field. It will be a noon central time kickoff on Sunday. And when you look at this Washington team, 2-4, and four, Packers are 5-1, and one. I wrote this Wednesday evening, posted it on our website, looking at this Washington defense, and I led the story with a simple line that something just doesn't compute. Yeah. Because defensively, this is a unit that was last last season was second in the league in yards allowed, fourth in the league in points allowed, led Washington to a playoff spot with a backup quarterback, actually third-string quarterback, nearly got a victory in the first round of the playoffs over Tampa Bay, who eventually won the Super Bowl, yeah. of course. But yet with the bulk of that personnel back on defense, suddenly after six games, this Washington team is 31st in the league in yards allowed and last in the league in points allowed. It just, a lot of it just doesn't make sense because yeah. because the talent is there on that side of the ball. Without question. It, it, it is kind of funny that, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals have really come on, right, with a lot of guys that I don't think, you know, your family members at the kitchen table really know who they are. Uh, Washington, it's not that problem. I mean, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, uh, John Bostic is a linebacker for them. You know, Jermaine Davis has been a steady middle linebacker in this league. Kendall Fuller. Uh, William Jackson the third, Landon Collins. I mean, they have names. Yeah. You know, Matt Ioannidis. I mean, they have guys that you know who these people are. Uh, and last year, I think Rodgers even mentioned Aaron Rodgers talked about it. You know, they won a lot of games last year playing to their defense. I mean, being able to, you know, strategically sort of win games, allow them to manage things offensively because of what their defense was doing. Well, this year, that floodgate is sort of broken a little bit. Now, the real interesting thing about Washington is they still are dangerous. They're giving up a ton of yards, 423 yards per game, as you yeah. mentioned, the scoring defense. But they can get after the quarterback. They can find ways to take away the football. It's just the, the big picture sort of statistics that everybody talks about when you break down total defense, total scoring. They're really coming up short in that area. Yeah, something, something just hasn't come together because even just last week's game, they were – beating Kansas City 13 to 10 at halftime right. and then Kansas City runs away with it in the second half and and Washington's not even competitive in the final two quarters after playing a really really solid first two quarters so defensively it it starts with that defensive front with this unit you're talking about four first round picks they use a first round pick in every draft four years in a row 2017 18 19 and 20 to get Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, the two inside guys were first, then Montez Sweat and Chase Young, the two edge guys. Now, those edge guys haven't racked up a whole bunch of numbers yet this year, but Chase Young, he has just two sacks, but those two sacks have come in the last two games. So that may be yeah. the 2020 NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year starting to heat up a little bit. The two inside guys are really interesting, though, because Payne and Allen – they rank they both rank in the top 7 amongst defensive tackles interior defensive linemen in terms of total pressures on the quarterback. Kenny Clark is in that top 7 as well in uh, in a tie for fourth place. But uh um but I believe it's Allen is third and Payne is tied for seventh um on that chart. So this is a 
you know, the Packers have faced really good defensive fronts for several weeks now, starting with San Francisco in week three. Um, obviously, and we talked about uh, we talked about Pittsburgh and then and then Cincinnati and then last week with Chicago. And this is this is another big challenge up front. And, you know, the Packers are still dealing with some injuries on the offensive line as they navigate. this. Yeah. And, and they were fortunate enough as we kind of you know, prognosticated, projected earlier this week with Matt LaFleur that David Bakhtar would be back at practice, which he was on Wednesday. But, you know, I don't think you can necessarily count on him being back this this Sunday. It's mostly about getting that window opening, getting some practice reps underneath his belt. The way I described it is maybe simulating a little bit of a mini training camp, if you will, after he's had 10 months off. Sure. But then you lose Josh Myers as well. So that means likely Lucas Patrick going into that center spot. Good news is Elton Jenkins, all good on that front, was removed completely from the injury report on Wednesday with the ankle injury after missing three games. But the fact of the matter is, Mike, you know that unit has put together so many strong games this year. This is probably going to be one of the stiffest tests they've faced all season. Um, while you know Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack and everybody that you know Chicago presents in what is statistically one of the better units in the league, I still think that this Washington unit stands right there with them. Chase Young, you mentioned he only has two sacks, but this is a guy that can go off at any time. I mean, those two sacks can become five sacks on the season real quick. Oh, yeah. And, you know, with Sweat, Sweat has been one of my favorite. I I loved him coming out of the draft. I believe, boy, I don't want to be mistaken here, I believe it was the heart condition or there was some kind of medical red flag there that allowed him to kind of fall a little bit that year. Yeah, he fell towards the end of the first round. I believe he ended up being taken 26th in the the draft. It was a remarkable find for Washington. As long as the medicals checked out, this guy was a bona fide top 10, top 15 type talent. He had that ability, and he's been a really productive player for them. Nine sacks last season, I believe. And even this year, yes, he only has three, but he's been able to hit the quarterback. The pressure stat, as you outlined in your story on Packers.com, Mike, we focus so much about stats so many stats on sacks, but it really is about how you affect the quarterback. And as Matt LaFleur said, this group definitely accomplishes that. Yeah, well, on, on the offensive side of the ball for Washington, the Taylor Heineke, I, I, give, I give this young man all the credit in the world. When you, I, I remember watching that playoff game that when the Packers had the first round yeah. by in the playoffs last year. And obviously Alex Smith, who had, as a quarterback, had – come off the bench and completed his remarkable recovery from injury and had led Washington to that division championship in the NFC East, but then he was not healthy enough to play in the playoffs. So Taylor Heineke gets thrown in there and and uh, and did a whale of a job. And as I said before, they almost pulled the upset against Tampa Bay. That game was that game was still in the balance with five, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, but when I look at you look at statistically where Washington is on offense this year, Taylor Heineke does not get sacked a lot. He can run no. around, he yep. can scramble. He's actually the second leading rusher um, for Washington behind uh, uh, the number one back Antonio Gibson. But uh, but when you look at it statistically, there's there's a there's an explosive element to the passing game that's just missing. They don't. Yes, they've had they've had some big explosive plays, but on a consistent no. basis, this is not a passing game that's been able to produce the 20, 23, 25 yard completions to get those big chunks of yardage to get drives going. And uh, and and as a result, it's it's an offense that that that's gotten bogged down because it just it's it's been forced to grind things out, you know, more than they would like. Yes, and I think you make some excellent points there. While there's a bigger question mark with what's going on right now with Washington defense and why it hasn't all clicked, 
I think there's a lot more understanding of where Washington is at offensively right now. They made a big shift. Obviously, a lot of lot of changes with the cornerback position. I mean, the fact that you had Heineke, who was brought in last December on the practice squad, was the only quarterback I think they retained throughout their offseason. Uh, that, that's one. Well, and obviously, you know, Alex Smith retired. But yeah. that shows you the, the seismic shift you saw with Washington's personnel. I like Heineke a lot, though. I still do. I mean, this guy's a grinder. He sort of reminds you of some of these quarterbacks of yesteryear in the 2000s and 2010s that guys just who kind of come out of obscurity and find a way to make plays. But to your original point that you presented, the the start and stop right now of this Washington offense, I think you're seeing that in Terry McLaurin's stats uh, this season. McLaurin had a huge game against Atlanta, 120-some yards, two touchdowns. The last two weeks, I think eight catches total, 68 yards. Yeah. I mean, it's been a difficult kind of sledding there. And unfortunately for their backfield situation, now Antonio Gibson is dealing with a shin injury. He did not practice Wednesday. You don't know what his status is going to be. They do have J.D. McKissick, who's been a veteran that's been around this league, but he was more of a pass-catching option for them. I, I don't know if that's going to be their bell cow back if Gibson can't go in this thing. Yeah, that's not really a role that McKissick has had really. in, in his career. He's been more of, of that, that change-up back, receiver out of the backfield type of guy and been very productive in that role, but he hasn't really been a 25-carry-a-game type running back exactly. to this and, point. And I, just overall, this is just a really beat-up unit. Their tight end position has been just hampered by injuries. Uh, McLaurin even is also dealing with a hamstring. He missed practice on Wednesday. So McLaurin's an impressive receiver though he incredible he, he, he really is he's a he's, a he's a he's a dynamic he's a dynamic guy who can as I said even though some of the explosive plays have been missing this guy can explode on you as well as be that also be a possession guy to move the chains he's a young receiver who really can do it all he's kind of in that you know sort of six foot six one range that Devontae Adams falls into too very different type of players but you know, for so long, everybody had this idea that it's just you got to be Megatron, right? You got to be 6'5, you just got to tower over people, you got to run a 4 4. There's a kind of the shiftier, sort of hybrid type receiver that's developed in recent years. I think McLaurin is the perfect example of that because he wasn't a highly touted guy coming out of college. I think he was a third round pick, if my memory serves me correctly. And he has just stepped in from day one and been a playmaker for Washington and a badly needed playmaker, yeah. too, for an offense that has had a lot of changes in their backfield, has not had a lot of stable personnel from year to year. And, and certainly Heineke has developed that rapport with them. The Packers main key though, is going to be making sure that they don't allow him to get back on the tracks this week. They got to delay that impending storm one more game. Yeah. Well, I want to get to some more of those uh, keys to victory for the Packers here, but first a shout out to our sponsor, Sirius XM NFL radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24 seven 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, keys to victory here for Green Bay. I just want to throw this one out there because, you know, when the Packers get on a winning streak like they are now, they've won five in a row, you start to take for granted sometimes how well this team offensively protects the football. And this is one of those games, in my opinion, I, I, I think the Packers are the better team. You're playing at home, you know, back at home after a couple of weeks on the road and all that. This is definitely a game the Packers should win. Do not give Washington those turnover opportunities that can really start to swing a game and give that give that underdog team on the road the belief that they can steal a victory. Um 
from uh, from you. The Packers have to continue to protect the football the way they have. Yeah, and, and for me, it's just pressuring Heineke. I mean, there's no coincidence, Mike, that the games in which Heineke has played the best, those are the two games that Washington has won this year. The games in which he's had big passing days are the days in which Washington has won especially if Gibson can't go in this one. I, you know, there still sounds like there's still some tests they're doing on the shin. I think that's an injury he's been dealing with before. But they're going to be really restricted in terms of what they're going to be able to do offensively. I think in those instances, you look at Ron Rivera and what he's done throughout his coaching career, that's where he's going to adapt. And, and Heineke's a big part of that. His scrambling ability is a big part of it. Last week, they did such a great job of rushing to contain Justin Fields, not allowing him to burn you. Uh, and, you know, kind of break your ankles and put on some bad film. Green Bay played very disciplined. They played very disciplined in the penalties side of things as well. You have to keep that momentum building in this game. And first and foremost, you're 5-1. and one. The Washington football team is 2-4 and four right now. You have to play like a 5-1 and one football team at your own home field at noon start time, everything working in your favor on a five-game winning streak. Be who everybody thinks that you are. Yeah, I agree, and and when I especially when I look at the offensive side of the ball for the Packers, and we've talked over the weeks about all the the shuffling on the offensive line and the injuries they're dealing with, but with this string of tough defensive fronts that they have faced, Matt Lafleur, Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, Adam Stenovich, the coaching staff, Aaron Rodgers, and and company out on the field, they're 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 developing they're developing an offense that uh, uh, that travels, so to speak. Yeah. And what I mean by that is is you know you can line it up against a lot of different opponents because over these weeks here with with facing these defensive fronts, the injuries on the offensive line, the Packers have they, they've they've gone to sometimes a quick game with the passing game, get the ball out of Rogers' hand quickly. They've relied on the running backs. They've let Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon grind out yards. They've used those running backs in the passing game to keep those linebackers, keep the pass rushers honest because they have to honor whatever and wherever those running backs are going to go. Schematically, the, schematically, the Packers are are developing an offense that they can take up against almost any opponent, yeah. and 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 also reflexively deal with whatever injuries up front. Now, you're hoping in the coming weeks here that this Packers offensive line is going to eventually look like the one that that you thought it would be at the beginning of the season, or you know, aside from Bakhtiari's injury, obviously. But I like what Green Bay is doing on offense. And as you said, just be who you are. Keep keep this up. Keep developing what you're doing with this balanced offensive attack and making defenses play you honestly. Because when you produce on the ground and with the just just the skills and the, the masterful mind of Aaron Rodgers and how he gets this offense into the right play at the right time with the right checks and adjustments. The, the, the Packers are on their way to, you know, to the offense that they want to have. They've been doing it more and more, Mike, too, whether it's the way they protected the football, the way the defense has taken the ball away. Even last week, you know, a big uptick for Green Bay in, the, in their own, you know, with their offensive red zone, you know, being able to actually get scores in all four of those trips, getting touchdowns on three of them. That's the recipe. It was the recipe last year, controlling the time of possession. I just feel like Green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers has talked about this upcoming slate of games that came that's coming up, and people talk about trap games, and I, I really enjoyed Rodgers' perspective on that when he mentioned that. He's like, of course we know what the schedule is. Yeah. You have to know what the schedule is, but you're not going to say some cliche about, you know, it's all about Washington. All of our focus is on Washington. That's the fact. It has to be about Washington this week because otherwise – 
if you're five and two and you just lost to a previously two and four team and now you're taking on arguably the best team in football in a short week, you're not really setting yourself up for success very well. Right. Everybody in that locker room understands where Green Bay is at. They understand this is the one little oasis here at home before they get back out on the road again. You have to make it count. And I think for the most part, as long as you protect the football, control the possessions, Green Bay knows the recipe here, what it's going to take to beat a team like Washington that's going to come out with nothing to lose. Yeah. Quick thought before we talk about uh, the rest of the NFC North. Um, the 1950s classic uniforms will be on display Sunday at Lambeau Field. From the pictures, we've only seen pictures, really. But yeah. what do you think? Pretty schnazzy. Yeah. I liked them. Uh, you know, and especially it was a change of pace, right? I mean, as much as I, I really do hate not being able to wear the Acme Packers stuff on camera, it was like my favorite the yeah, you you, like, you liked wearing all that blue, the blue and gold stuff. You were you've been big into that. Oh, the I last love it. I'm still years. trying yeah. to work on it. Yeah. When the days in which we don't have to be on camera, but <laughs> I will say when the uniforms got announced, when the, our wonderful video department, Adam Hobel Heinrich and his team, Tyler Gajewski, they put together some amazing packages. It did get you excited for it because oh, yeah. the other thing I like too is the NFL finally, in addition to relaxing a lot of different things. Uh, they relaxed the helmet stuff. You know, they, they got to a point there where they were saying no changes with the helmets. Well, now the Packers are going to be able to go without the logo, give it a real clean look altogether. I, I'm just really excited for it. And the fact of the matter is, the, the inspiration of it, I think they came up with a pretty cool design. You don't see many versions and variations from such a traditional football team. You, why would you? The Yankees aren't going to go out in neon you know, green and blue anytime soon, but it still holds true to the, the feeling of the Packers, but also give you a kind of a new vibe as well. Yeah. It's an, I think, I think the uniforms look really sharp. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see just really out on the field in a game, what the green pants look like, yeah. because that's just not something we've seen the Packers wear. It's always been the gold pants, except for the color rush, the all white when yeah. they've, when they've had the white pants. And I miss those. I like the times. color rush. What's that? I, well, we haven't had color rush in no, a while. No, they haven't. They haven't. I mean, this uniform, in a sense, is because it's green jersey with green pants. Yeah. It, you know, so uh, there, like is the kind, there is there is kind of a color a rush element to it. But uh, yeah, well, elsewhere in the NFC North, actually, with the Packers two games up on both the Bears and the Vikings, Chicago, Minnesota, both three and three. Minnesota's on its bye. Chicago, a really tough assignment, a road game at Tampa Bay. So. If you're the Packers here, you're you're at home against Washington. If Tampa Bay holds serve at home against the Bears and with Minnesota on the bye week, you can come out of this week with a two-and-a-half game lead on Minnesota and a three-game lead yeah. on the Bears through seven games. That'd be a nice spot to be, but obviously you got to take care of business at home. Your thoughts on Bears-Buccaneers? Yeah, a really difficult test for, for Chicago because offensively I think uh, – I think Tampa's going to give them a lot of problems uh, with what yeah. the, the scheme that they run, how fast those linebackers are. That's going to be an uphill battle. I actually will be really interested to watch that Bears defense. Uh, we'll, we'll see whether or not Robert Quinn is going to be in the concussion protocol, or not concussion protocol, the COVID protocol or not, if he's available. But even still, you know, Khalil Mack against that line. and But and it also looked like Akeem Hicks re-injured that groin yeah. against the Packers when he had that uh, when he had that one. Yeah, uh, so maybe it won't be as formidable Rogers, so. as I was forecasting just a second ago. But be that as it may, you know, two of the best inside backers in the league in that game, it's going to be, it'll be a fun matchup. And certainly for Green Bay, uh, you know, some p potential distance there. And then, you know, the Detroit Lions going to have to go to L.A., uh, yeah, against the five and a, one boy yeah, if you the, could the, drop... big, the storyline there obviously the swap of the quarterbacks Ugh. jared goff matthew stafford changing places there's been you know 
the sides of, you know, express some regrets about kind of how things went down from a communication standpoint and maybe some bad feelings and whatever. But now it, it's, yeah, I mean, maybe the Rams are, the Rams are up, you know, up at the top of uh, arguably the, uh, you know, the toughest division top to bottom in the NFC and, uh, and the Detroit Lions still looking for that first victory after, uh, after some real kick-in-the-gut losses for Dan Campbell. The, the Lions knew what they were doing when they were trading Matthew Stafford. They understood that this was, okay, we're putting the flag up. This is officially a rebuild now. But, man, I don't think they were thinking they'd end up having this matchup at 0-6 and, and yeah. Jared Goff's you know, yards per attempt being where they're at. As far as the Rams are concerned, though, they're a fun football team to watch, Mike. Uh, between them and Arizona, I mean, that NFC West, there are some really competitive. Uh, you talk about the NFL in 2021 and the offensive revolution and people wanting to watch exciting football. Uh, there's probably no two better teams that really exemplify that right now than the Rams and, and the Cardinals. Yeah, and the Rams, uh, as we talked about on our last show, the Rams only lost this year's to the Cardinals. So yeah. the Cardinals on top of that division, but the Rams are right on their heels. Any other games from this week's slate that uh, <laughs> The that Texans being to fed to the Cardinals? Oh, oh my God. Good luck. Um, no, but it is interesting. There, there are some pretty interesting battles. I mean, a two and four Patriots team is going up against the Jets. Uh, just you know, and the Patriots trying to find a way here after that really difficult loss against Dallas. Yeah, that was a tough one. They took uh, they took Dallas all the way to but, overtime last week. You know, so much. I just want to touch on this really fast, and we'll get out of here. So many people, including you know our own media core, which is fine. I'm not ripping on anybody, but everybody's talking about that Kansas City matchup. I understand the Packers have a really tough schedule. Kansas City has had a really tough go of it this year, and now they're taking on a Tennessee team that's four and two. Kansas City goes in three and three. It's been an uphill battle for them as well. So, uh, as far as the league is concerned, I don't know how many marquee matchups there are this week, but some pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, there are six teams on a bye too, so yeah. there are just a lot fewer a lot fewer games this week than we've seen. But it's far. a measuring stick week to see some of these teams yeah. that are. Pretty impressive record-wise if they can do what the records seem to indicate they should. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it'll be a good one at Lambeau Field Sunday at noon, and we will have all the coverage for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. That's a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.